Hey everyone, and welcome back to Tales of Esperan. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast that's focused on telling fun, character-driven stories. Now, what does that mean? Well, to keep it simple, we sit down at our desks, log in online, and pretend to be someone we're not for a little while, all the while recording it to share with you. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy, second by second, line by line. Follow along as our players pretend to be small-town adventurers, doing their best to put some good into the world. If that's not your thing, we also pretend to be wizard college dropouts who abandoned higher education to become pirates on the high seas aboard a ship called the Gilded Lily. That's our other show. We have two shows, each on the same feed that come out on alternating weeks, and they occur in the same canon. And yes, that was a really bad pun. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with. Oh, who am I kidding? It's Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Now, we loosely rely on this system to tell our own stories, independent of the lore and problematic content that comes out of the box with Dungeons & Dragons, especially in its own world lore. In short, this just means that we use the game system and some dice to decide what happens next to our characters. Not some story or some world that someone else has written for us. Now, normally we would jump right into the story for you, but this is another special bonus episode. We were joined by guest James D'Amato, again, and today we pick up right after playing through Quest Over Country with James and Carolina, as we dig into another exercise from his world building guide. Alright, let's roll some dice and find out what happens this week together. So that brings us over to the more considerable exercise of five factions, where we define different factions that exist in the setting uh, that are defined by like their skill with or appreciation for certain qualities like like strength and study and whatnot. So you just build up like this kind of interlocking political landscape that's usually interesting for people to interact with. Um, there's also, if we wanted to keep it to like two shorter exercises, we could also do the prize, which is just an exercise to help create a treasure uh, for mm. like people. And like, you can really pop that anywhere. But yeah. for high seas piracy, I could see that being a fun thing. Oh yes, for sure. Especially so all the Carolina peek behind the screen. She, <laughs> we haven't gotten to this part of the story yet. Um, five, I think five factions or the prize could both of them work well. Um, there's a piece of the narrative we haven't gotten to yet where the pirates they're a part of are part of a larger faction and each faction has a bunch of captains under its reign. And that would be an interesting place for the five factions thing to sit, like different different groups of pirates under one umbrella and they all have different oh, values. That is an interest yeah that that could be an interesting cross-section for five factions i would be i'd be interested in exploring that if you wanted to open that up 
uh, Carolina, which I know. Listen, uh, I've been running and playing adventures that I uh, am fully aware of what's going to happen in the future uh, as a forever DM, occasionally a player. So uh, I'm, I'm very familiar with the situation where I am not exactly surprised by some discoveries. So I'm I'm happy to... Uh, I, I promise to. I promise not let it ex uh, kind of influence how I how I play the game, uh, even if I get to peek at some future content. You're a stellar role player, so I trust you there. Thank you. <laughs> All right, this exercise for the listener's benefit is normally an exercise that pretty much goes through defining uh, different political forces in an area. Um, you know, it might be something that you use to build up. Well, what's, what's the police force? What's the military? What's the, uh, an important college or something like in a given location? Uh, but for the Gilded Lily, Gilded Lily. Yes, is that, that is correct. I remembered it. Hey, I remembered a name. I love it. <laughs> for, for Gilded Lily, we have the added wrinkle of, we know that these are all going to be pirates. Mm -hmm. uh, these are all going to be like either pirate captains and ships or collections of pirates of some kind uh, within this uh, particular pirate fleet. Um, so part of the exercise, like I, I think is going to be very interesting and I'm going to see how it works uh, for this exercise. I will need uh, you to make dice rolls. So Ooh. I'll want uh, some D6s. Oh, that's a nice dice box. Sorry, listeners, you don't get to see how cool it is. D sixes. Yeah. Looks like D6s. sixes. How many of them? Um, uh, I, I think because there are two of you, you each just need one. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so I'll uh, ask you each to roll a D6. All right. Ooh. That's a six. All right. And I got a three. Okay. Um, so th this is where things get interesting because the way uh, that we establish these factions is we first roll to find what type of faction it is uh, in terms of structure, and then we move on to uh, discover what treasure that faction protects. Um, so the idea that we are within a pirate fleet, so within the pirate fleet, there is, for the roll of six, an order. Um, uh, this is a culture formed around an organization dedicated to an ideology, like a religion. Orders provide structure and resources uh, to collectively pursue a common agenda. Bonds can be hierarchical, teacher-student, colleague-to-colleague, uh, depending on the ethos of the order. Um, and the for the role of three on the treasure is they are protecting a text. This might be a book, a story, a secret, or rules that provide wisdom, knowledge, or power. So within this, you know, whatever loosely affiliated pirate organization there are, there is an order within it, mm -hmm. and that order protects this text. So now that we... Sorry, one question. Sorry to interrupt. But does yes. this refer to, like, the entire organization which has five factions, or are we talking about the first of the five factions? So, so this is this is like the first of the five factions, okay. and like what I I kind of think is really interesting about the 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 fact that this is a pirate army is like this could literally be just one pirate ship that happens to be in the fleet that mm -hmm. is like, hey, we are we protect this text that is sacred to these pirates, or it could be like 
a uh, conclave of captains from different ships where we might define some other factions and one of the captains from those things might be like, well, I am also the keeper of the sacred word uh, or one of the keepers of the sacred word. So like that confine that we have provided uh, is really fascinating uh, to interact with this exercise. I Um, have an idea for that. Before you lay that idea down, there's one more choice that we need to make and then we can. Uh, go for that. So the five different factions are defined by their love of something. Um, And the loves that we have are love of strength, love of knowledge, love of communication, love of nature, and love of order. So based on those... Where, which, which love faction would you like to define uh, with those elements? If I can tell you what my idea was, because I think it will work very well with one of those. Uh, if we go with love of order, there can be a ship or a captain or a smaller faction, which is basically protecting the accords, the, the, the contract Ooh. that all the pirate factions have uh, that kind of explain what their relationships are to each other, who holds power, who owes what to whom, uh, and so what are the rules of engagement. And this holy text, this, this agreement of all the pirate captains is what they protect and the order must be maintained, the accords must be adhered to at any, at any cost. I, I love it. They like literally keep the pirate code. Um, So with with that, I think love of order is the perfect match. Uh, Excellent work there. We now must choose two things that this faction loves most about order. And our options are it exalts and values what is sacred. It resolves disputes before they happen. It gives purpose to what is chaotic. It makes the world understandable and fair. And it connects people to their past. So... Yeah, based on those, what do we like? There are two of you. You should each pick one, really. Yeah. I love the idea of, because the whole time I'm thinking of, because pirates are, you know, they can be chaotic. And the idea of like a faction of these pirates that are bound to an order that doesn't quite make sense to outsiders. So there's a little bit of chaos in there. But resolve disputes before it happens is something very funny that I could see. Like they know they have the code, they keep the code, they know it so well that arguments and like conflicts don't even pan out. They're just like, okay, you do this, you do that, we're done. And they go to leave and everyone's like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, I I truly, truly adore that. Um, that is, that's right. How, how big is this pirate fleet as, um, as I'm picturing things? I would say at this point in the, the show, Undefined, um, I, as a world builder, I tend to build just ahead of the party. Um, so that they can contribute as much as they can to the canon as we go. But I would say, if we were to say dozens and dozens of ships, I think that's very fine. This faction kind of stands up against another faction that is much more entrenched in a lot of the cities of the coast. Um, they're kind of like, the faction's kind of an, an island group of a, like among an island chain. So they have dozens and dozens of ships. Excellent. That that will allow me to rein into the proper scale mm-hmm. uh, for, for different suggestions. So we have resolves disputes before they happen, which is exquisite. I, I, I think that is a good purpose for a pirate code. What What is, what is our uh, next thing that they love most? Uh, I would say maybe keeping to the traditions and like remembering the past and the story of all the pirates that came before. Uh, maybe there is an element of chronicle to this uh, to this pirate code. They not only record uh, the rules, but they also record everybody who uh, signed the the accords, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> that makes total sense. Uh, so, so now that, that we have that framework, um, that this is a either a ship or an agreement between ships or you know something within this uh, pirate fleet that uh, holds the pirate code, not only to make sure that hey we're not you know squabbling between ourselves within the fleet, uh, but also to give these pirates who are affiliated with each other a real sense of identity. It's like hey we're not just here because we have the common goal to steal resources and whatnot. We're here because it means something to be here, mm -hmm. which is very cool. Um, so with that in mind, we have to answer the following two questions. The one is pretty obvious and we've already touched on it. What system uh, do the people who love order hold above all others? So the obvious broad answer is the pirate code, but I, I think there is something deeper within there. Um, in real, in, in real life, uh, Piracy is one of the reasons that we rediscovered democracy kind of as a Western society. Mm -hmm. um, people who went off on ships got very passionate about the idea of having the say over what they were going to do because being on a ship is so dangerous. Um, and even on military vessels, uh, voting amongst the people who were aboard those vessels was extremely common. Um, so there could be an element to this pirate code that is just like, well, we resolve things through voting and democracy. Um, or it could be like a system of game or something like that. Like what is the, the mechanism that is the part of the pirate code that they are upholding through it? What would, what would make sense? Um, there's an element of the kind of world or we're actually in the process of writing a shanty about this particular figure. Um, but it's um, a patron of the sea called the Shattered Seeker, which is like this kind of entity that represents quests for treasure and like, you know, like a shattered ship. Um, mm -hmm. They seek out things that have been broken at sea. And I kind of like the idea of this pirate code somehow being bound to that entity in like a literal sense so that Ooh. there's kind of this belief that like everyone has an equal stake no matter what, no matter how big your faction is, no matter how much sway you hold over this thing, it's always an equal take of treasure from whatever. Um, everyone has an equal say, which kind of ties back into the the realism of the democracy bit. Yeah, and a little, a little uh, socialist and communist too, which <laughs> I love. Yeah. <laughs> and it also actually uh, ties to some of the Gilded Lily adventures because there was some... Uh, treasure that was equally divided yep. exactly like this in an episode that hasn't been released yet yep. right we're like oh, <laughs> we're, damn we're, it we're a year ahead Darren. we're like a year ahead on recorded content yeah, sorry audience yeah, we <laughs> sorry audience there will be treasure we promise what if and i i've been thinking about this uh try, trying to figure out what the structure mm -hmm. of of this faction is and knowing that there are dozens of ships what if there is a ship that uh, you lend crew to in the fleet that is like the ship that keeps the order? So it's like, yeah, we have five members of our crew aboard that ship because 
that ship votes about things like disputes and whatnot. That Ooh. is our say, who we give to this boat. And like, that is also kind of how treasure is distributed and whatnot between fleet and all, all sorts of things like that. And so, you know, you give, you lend members of the, uh, your crew to the ship and like you might lend them out for years and years and decades and decades, but then there is the danger that their affiliation with you uh, as, as your ship and the needs of your ship like fades, which is why you probably want to cycle through yeah. uh, the crew that you are lending out to this ship. Um, that that is that is my pitch. We can take or leave that. I I love that because it also kind of there's a a thing that I've seen in like you know pirate media and fiction where if you encounter a ship that you're loosely allied with. A way to mitigate it down is like, okay, here, you take three of mine, I'll take three of yours, and now we have leverage over each other. And, like, I feel like having leverage, like, being able to put leverage on that ship, but also having that serve as a function for, you know, voting and the democracy of the entire faction feels very on point. I love it. I like it, yeah. Cool. Um, And the other question for the people who love order is, what hypocrisies do they tolerate, if any? Ooh. I love this. Mm, this is a tricky one. I don't think I've ever been presented with this question with when world building before. <laughs> yeah, so we, we've got this like extremely idealistic pirate organization and code. Like they have designed this system and this ship to keep everyone true to like the past the the whatever whatever event uh, bound these pirates together um but like it is still a system that is upheld by people mm-hmm. so it's not gonna be perfect uh i have an idea for that uh because if protecting the code and protecting the record of past captains and pirates and ships is so important to them and this ship this or or this group of ships there will be very very important for the entire fleet uh what if while maintaining the order and preserving the entire fleet and the entire community they sometimes actually do decide to not help somebody or not uh, support others or even sacrifice some members of this fleet in order to protect this one particular ship the the code must be must be preserved the code must be protected at any cost even if the cost is the lives of pirates who signed into this accord yeah yeah it's both idealistic and like kind of against their their core ideals of like everybody gets a share everybody is important but also the people on this boat are more important so sometimes we're going to lose entire ships to protect it yeah yeah Um, what do you think mike no i i love it um because that can open up a lot of avenues to like there's this this faction is now someone that exists um you know they're all about the rules but a lot i feel like it automatically creates a tension between them and any other factions we make because they're like yes you do follow the rules but to such a degree that i can't trust you entirely yeah. even though my crew members are with you and there might even be some factions that you know through this tension they would intentionally pick members to go to the ship to keep an eye on what's going on 
Oh, yeah, for sure. And like you kind of have to decide, like it has been a calendar year since I saw the the crew that I sent off to that ship. How do I know that they haven't like, you know, had the Kool-Aid or whatever and now joined mm-hmm. that ship more so than they, they were on mine? So, yeah, there's like an element of trust and distrust there. I, I had one other wrinkle that might be a bit cartoonish um, and we, let me <laughs> we just talked about a, an anthropomorphic t-rex holding a giant wheel with his tiny arms i think we're good that is true <laughs> that is true so uh, the the thing we described this ship as the keeper of like stories and the ship that connects you to your past what if part of what this ship does is assign stories to ships in the fleet and like one of the uh, controls that they have or, or really the justice system is surrounding which ships actually hold which legends. Um, and hey, if your ship, you know, re- recovered a valuable treasure but didn't follow the code, it's not going to be remembered that it was your ship that did that. It's going to be a more deserving ship. Oh, uh, so I love this. They, it's to connect you to your past, but they also constantly literally rewrite history. We just, this is magical because we just released an episode on Monday where I sat down with another guest and two other cast members and we built built the legend of the Lily, just the ship itself. And it was full of like rumors and myths and legends. And we just came up with a whole pile of exactly what you just described. <laughs> and having a ship that is like, I love the idea that they, they can be petty if they want to, if someone breaks the rules. Yeah, that's very cool. I I really I like the idea of it's like, yeah, well, you know, you weren't quite honest about how much treasure you pulled in. So as a penalty, your captain has no longer caught the largest fish that has ever been caught aboard a ship. Uh, (laughs) That honor now belongs to captain so and such. And if you break the rules, you can like barter with them (laughs) to shuffle them around. It's like, all right, fine. (laughs) I still want the big fish. But what if I give you what if? What if we give you these two? <laughs> Especially because reputation and whatnot. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I love okay, it. well, that's that's faction one, folks. Oh, wow. We this did is, it. This is a detailed. I love it. Um, uh, so let's get uh, each roll of D6 again, and we'll find another faction. Ooh. Okay, I got a two this time. And I got a, two. a four. All right. Um, so a two makes this faction a family which I love. Obviously, we need to have a family within this pirate fleet. And a four, uh, hey, the treasure they protect is uh, a rarity. So it's uh, a treasure that is most like typical treasure. Um, So within your fleet, uh, there is a family that protects like actual monetary treasure um, of some kind. Uh, And we can assign to this faction a love of strength, a love of knowledge, a love of communication, or a love of nature. Hmm. What are you thinking, Carolina? I have thoughts, but I want to see what you think first. Hmm. Uh, uh, communication and make the treasure something that allows either for te- like teleportation transport or something that allows for long-distance magical communication. Ooh, quick movement. Ooh. Ah, that's very cool. Um, uh, for the description of love of communication, uh, 
This faction is built around the complex art of communication. They can facilitate relations between houses, develop sophisticated forms of art and expression, or relish in gossip and espionage. Um, which yeah. does sound like a fun thing for a family uh, yeah. to do. So the two things that uh, we have first have to choose the two things they love most about communication. Um, and our choices are it creates beauty. It creates peace. It creates power. It reveals truth. And it brings pleasure. Ooh. Hmm. We have truth, pleasure, peace. What were the other two? Remind me. Um, power uh, and strength. Power and strength. Uh, it, it's power and beauty. Power and beauty. Sorry. Well, if we want to make them uh, in some ways uh, spies and uh, people who uh, try to uncover secrets, uh, then power would make sense. That uh, this is what makes them strong. This is if they know the buttons to push, if they know the the secrets that others don't want revealed, it gives them power. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have an idea. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a pitch, okay, uh, and you can take or leave. The other one could be beauty, uh, because what if this family is a family that practices like kind of they they have a resonant like material that that they guard as a family that they use to make instruments, and the way they communicate across long distances is literally through shanties. Mike, oh, Mike Resonance. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> You just used a word that is a very big theme of our show. It's like a game mechanic oh. we've built in. Well, um, yeah. You can literally... There, resonance is like the ability to connect things over long distances. And it, the, mm-hmm. the, the thing that pops up the most is two people being able to like connect to each other and send messages like via their own soul. It's like an ability score that the players build as they play instead of like D&D where everything's front loaded. Um, so like the more relationships they make, the further the resonance goes. But the fact that you brought it up for instrument communication is very cool. Yeah, so I love the instruments thing. That is very, very cool. Um, so, so yeah, then the rough pitch that I would have, especially if these are spies or whatnot, like who is going to think twice about like a busker? on like a city street or whatnot or if you're in a tavern and you're like part of the world navy or one of the merchant fleets or whatnot there's somebody singing in a corner the thing that you don't know is aboard a pirate ship in another place there is someone singing the same song and everyone is taking notes because they're literally using that song to like communicate with each other this fits so devilishly well into the like the themes that i've been establishing on both shows so far yep it works perfectly and i love the idea that they're all kind of like it's almost a family of bards just a ship of people who are great at music like i i think it's got to be like they are packing their resonant like somehow you know using resonance with instruments um but being able to connect with each other like very freely without worry and whatnot like that's got to be a thing like well you know that's a special bond that this family has and maintains and Uh, like they work with the fleet i love it yeah we have one ship that is full of wizards we have another ship that is full of bards (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) oh man all right so the questions 
Um, we already addressed one. What form of communication originated with this faction that is spread to all others? It's like, hey, you've got these shanties that yeah. kind of like is there. Um, and the other question is, uh, what group or rank within this faction is respected by every other faction for their skill, power, or danger? Um, and it might it might just be that uh, we we've addressed all of that. Yeah, I think we might have. Building. Yeah, a ship that can communicate with someone really far away is super dangerous, even if you catch them on the water. <laughs> it, oh, yeah, especially like it sort of it provides intelligence for the fleet that is like kind of unmatched and unparalleled, and like nobody outside the fleet uh, or who wasn't one of these pirates would have an excuse to know about it, which mm -hmm. is great. Um, and also because it's through music and whatnot, it leaves a lot open to interpretation, which means it's not perfect. Yeah. Yep. That's that's great. Um, hey, easy slam dunk there. Uh, we got three to go, though. So let's All get right. two more D6 rolls. I'll leave you to name the family later. I got a six. I have a five. Five. OK. Um, so this is. Uh, this is where it might break down a little bit uh, in that uh, the structure here is a company. Uh, it's a culture formed around a corporate entity. Companies provide resources and structure for members in hopes of creating profit. Bonds are based on hierarchical authority and function of position. Um, might be less useful to have a company inside a, uh, a pirate group, but the treasure that they protect is a figure someone living or dead who brings this faction pride authority or guidance so yeah it's a company that protects a person is what we've got and we could also just decide for a re-roll on company because like pirate like a, a fleet of pirates is kind of similar to a company mm -hmm. uh, or, or or like even a democracy in itself uh, or maybe just disregard that structure and jump right ahead to figuring out what they love and uh, defining it that way. Well, if if it would work for uh, for what you have planned, Mike, that there is one specific faction within the pirate fleet which uh, focuses on, you know, like trading, selling all the things that the pirates obtain and uh, buying supplies, because not everybody will want to trade with pirates. But there mm -hmm. is this one faction that has some sort of legitimacy, some sort of respectability uh, within the wider world, and they can trade with people who otherwise would not want to trade with pirates. Yeah, the the pirates of Nassau really depended on having legitimate contact because, like, if you steal like two tons of sugar or whatever, you know, you got to be able to move that at some point. You can't just um, show up to a port with two tons of sugar and be like, I found this. <laughs> and it still has it still has the mark of the company you stole it from on the bags <laughs> yeah but see it's written right here definitely not stolen so this could be like a, a faction that um because when you first mentioned it my original thought was a faction that like on the surface level seems like a company like almost like a front but i kind of with this in mind i'm kind of liking the idea of a faction that is an actual company that just as Carolina said, handles all of the the outward sales, and they, on surface level, they don't seem connected with the pirates in any way, shape, or form. Okay, um, their their treasure is a figure, like a, a figure. person. Hmm. Um, 
the idea that this faction like knows someone or is currently controlling the estate of someone who can conduct legitimate Ooh. business. Yep. They the, have the <laughs> governor in their pockets. <laughs> okay, this this might be returning to a all too familiar well too often, but this person could even be dead. Um you know, he's just celebrated his 101st birthday. Can you believe it? Uh, what an and elf. <laughs> isn't he so good at getting all of all of this stuff imported at, at such a great rate? We we truly love mm-hmm. so and such. So and such has been dead for 10 years. Yep. And, and they're, yeah, but they, still holds a contract in perpetuity to uh, like the least to conduct business uh, <laughs> in this port uh, that is granted uh, to this person until the end of their life. And yeah, sure, 103, still still going. I <laughs> love this. Then that begs the question is, does this group love strength, love knowledge, uh, or, love, or love nature? Those are, those are the choices that we have. I think it, it, it could be, a, for me, it would be a toss-up between um, strength and knowledge. Um, and I guess how you would interpret strength. Um, because if they're, I'm imagining if they're controlling someone with a lot of finance, like someone's a state that has a lot of financial pull, that's a type of power in itself. Yeah. Uh, and like strength. Um, but also knowledge is like knowing who to work with, when to talk to them, like when to sell things of that nature is a whole other bag. Like a network, network of contacts, maybe. I kind of love the idea that this is strength because it allows us to challenge a lot of what we typically think of with strength. Mm -hmm. Read the little write up here. This strength defines itself through the celebration or even worship of strength. That strength can be physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, or even magical. No matter how it manifests, the culture values power, minimizing vulnerability and prioritizing achievement. Um, that sounds great. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like it would fit this group very well. Yeah, I think so. So the uh, things that we need to decide about uh, what they love about strength are as follows: uh, We choose two. Uh, do they love that it provides strength provides safety? It enables achievement. It represents an ideal form. It provides control, or it provides excitement. I like excitement. Cause like yeah. every every person who's involved that, that knows because when you had said like oh we're you know he's he's finished his hundred and fiftieth year of sales and yeah. they look at the camera and they wink like everyone who's involved is kind of enjoying it a little too much. I love this. It's also pirates. Historical pirates are extremely funny economic engines uh, for like the ports of like uh, Nassau and and whatnot. They would roll or like port royal especially like they would capture a prize come back with a ton of spanish gold and immediately spend almost all of it on rum and <laughs> uh sex workers like that they, they, they would they would just roll in and immediately like drink <laughs> and you know find comfort uh themselves until they were poor again and needed to roll out and get another prize so the idea that this is like just sort of a company that's like hey we're going to take in a lot of illegitimate goods and a lot of illegitimate money and it's going to be a great time because we're going to be partying with pirates the mm-hmm. whole time 
just like buy steal goods redistribute immediately <laughs> and have as much fun po as possible doing it in this group being the accountant is the most exciting job you can ever have <laughs> or a nightmare depending how fast your crew spends <laughs> yeah I, I like like you have to do a delicate balance of like the most pirate crews did not have anyone advising them on how to be sustainable about how they use their money it like being a financial advisor and strategist <laughs> for a group of pirates like you kind oh. of have to accept that like yeah there is going to be a full-on month of we are just drinking and feasting and partying and hooking up with people and that's going to be the bulk of the money. But if I can convince them to squirrel away like 30% of that money towards their retirement or whatnot, <laughs> that's a victory. Yeah. Uh, the small battles. <laughs> God. That's, that's, where, that's okay. where the real pirate battles are fought on the in the books. <laughs> Uh, so, so then, yeah, the, the other the other question is uh, the, the other thing they love uh, safety, uh, enabling achievement, representing an ideal form or providing control. You can take this one, Carolina. Well, I think that uh, maybe maybe enabling achievement, uh, because what uh, what this uh, factions um, actions accomplish and, and enable is, uh, first of all, they can live the life of excitement and constant partying but also like we said that they are uh, the face the front uh, for other factions to interact with the outside world so they enable other uh, parties to uh, first of all uh, sell uh, their prize, and second of all, to uh, get what they need to accomplish other important goals. So, yeah, the what they do it it enables achievement for everybody else. I I like it a lot. I like it a lot. It, that that's probably I I think this fleet really became more of a world power once this faction established itself mm -hmm. when they yep. they figured out <laughs> how how to pull off the con of, or like the you know they they got in bed with with this guy and you know we're running this game for a long time and then the guy dies and suddenly the pirates have to figure out really really quickly how to do all of this stuff using this person's name and them figuring that out actually transforms the organization into suddenly we're thinking about our own self-interest and and thinking <laughs> strategically about it. So like, hey, we saved like 10% of our, our last capture and now we can repair the ship. Uh, <laughs> huge, huge change of pace. Um, our, I, our, our overhead on buckets just plummeted. <laughs> Uh, so the, the, the questions that we answer related to this are really fascinating now knowing those things. Uh, the first one is, how do people from this faction test and prove their strength? Ooh, hmm. There's a part of me that is like, it's a company. They're all selling stuff. Who can get the best sell? Or there's also a part of me that is like, I'm loving the idea of them being like, really muscular bookkeepers and they're also physically strong like they love arm wrestling <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny it's an entire crew of bodybuilders who do nothing but arm wrestle and math <laughs> <laughs> arm wrestling and math is perfect combination uh, what what about math while arm wrestling arm wrestling <laughs> god that's funny 
contest <laughs> contest of strength and muscle at the same time i'm writing that down I, we may not we may not stick but i'm sold <laughs> i i like the idea of like keeping books under duress in, in <laughs> some way or, or like you know because these people would probably have to be able to falsify documents in order to make deals go through very quickly Obviously. and you know there is certainly is an element of when pirates were selling their goods, uh, they were selling them at like, you know, a couple cents on the dollar versus what those goods are actually worth in real ports. Mm -hmm. So the the middlemen for for pirates like would just be raking in huge amounts of profits. And now we are kind of projecting a world with no middlemen, which which means like there's a lot more control over that profit and prosperity. Um, but you need to have your books in order so that the legitimate business doesn't get challenged or put away mm -hmm. in some way. And also the element of actual like uh, physical strength and being able to fight still important because if they turn completely into merchants and bookkeepers, they will might just lose the respect of other pirates who are out there capturing the prize and fighting yeah. for their lives uh. and uh, risking their lives. And here is the bunch of of of, of people who just uh, you know sail into the port with uh, full cargo. Uh, and uh, swindle people out of their money. That is important, but there is no like real physical accomplishment in that. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really really cool and interesting. I I, I like the idea that maybe part of the way that they're sustaining themselves is creating shell companies and corporations that like there isn't an office that if you're not a pirate you can't just walk up to like whatever this group is yep. mm -hmm. um uh they they own a company that owns a company that owns several companies and that's how they sell and distribute pirate you know booty uh but like otherwise like they're hard to find in the first place if we managed to track one down it's like an outhouse in the woods <laughs> this isn't yeah exactly <laughs> this address there's, there's just a plaque that says forward mail here does this trail keep going <laughs> <laughs> I, I so like I I I like that and I kind of think then they they so the the way they keep the the spirit of piracy or whatnot is like there has to be some real fight like I can see this being a retirement plan but this is also a place where you kind of want to keep your best and brightest as well mm -hmm. so there's like kind of a two tier track that you have to go on you have to be able to actually intellectually do all this difficult work but you also have to fight your way in and also remember those are people who will often be sailing with a cargo full of the most precious goods to sell they will also be often uh, accepting payments for the goods being sold they have a lot of things that others would like to steal yeah. from them and take from them if they don't have the strength to protect it so yeah. uh yeah they would have to uh prove that they are accomplished both in uh kind of their intellectual prowess and in battle at the same time oh that's the retirement plan for for former pirates is they staff these shell companies oh <laughs> so i love it you you like walking yeah that's right this is a tea shop 
<laughs> the most gnarly looking person sitting behind this tiny quaint little desk surrounded yes, by like yes we sell lace how many yards of lace would you like to buy I, that's I, right I sell ceramic figurines there is a nice kitten over here do you like a tiny horse or a tiny centaur <laughs> just walk into the wrong business and it's like yeah this is just a front for piracy <laughs> very clearly <laughs> for, for high seas piracy how close could you get that guy actually has a peg leg <laughs> uh, so the, the other question is what markers signify achievement or authority within this faction Ooh, what markers signify achievement or authority how do we how do we tell which accountant is the captain? Oh yeah. <laughs> the biggest abacus. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's mm. that's uh... that's a euphemism for sure. <laughs> um I don't know. This is it's, uh, it's such an untraditional group of pirates. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's very outside of the stereotype, which I love. We do have the feats of strength, but I feel like having the the strongest pirate all like be the captain is opening it to the type of disruption a corporation would not like. You can't just go in and fight your boss. <laughs> yeah, I love that being an element of like the office culture, but mm -hmm. not the not the thing that drives it. So what if it's they protect a figure, someone living or dead? What if it's a particular person that knows the the location of where the the original person's buried oh that'd be my first thought like they they hold the one secret and it's like magically That's... bound to them somehow i i like it uh because it gives you like the higher you rise in that organization it signifies that organization's trust in you because if you are compromised then the secret is compromised and everything falls apart mm-hmm so kind of kind of the idea is like, well, if you're going to know any secret that could really disrupt or hurt this organization, um, you have to be invested in it like 100 percent. So, yeah, it's like kind of the most loyal people are the most powerful. And I like it because the signifier of rank is something totally uh, like not physical at all they yeah. deal with physical goods they deal with monetary treasure that the pirates have and the signifier of rank is do you know this one specific thing if you do you're high up if you don't you're just a low-ranking member of the faction just yeah. knowing a thing and the more you know the higher in the organization you are that's great the little note i have written down here is keeper of the chairman's grave yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right, that's strength. Uh let's get um, two more dice rolls. Sure. We need to get the nature one finally, something yeah. that makes sense for the nature one. I got a the, 3. The dice will guide our way. I got a 4. All right. Okay. Uh so this is a school, a culture formed around an institution designed to study, instruct, uh uh, surrounding a subject or practice, uh, schools exist to collect and pass on knowledge, and some evaluate the worth of members. Bonds are, are obviously teacher-student, colleague-to-colleague, uh, and other such relationships. And let's see, the other was a... Once again, this is a text. Uh, is, that, is, is there a treasure that they protect? Um, so yeah, this brings us to knowledge... 
which <laughs> does feel pretty on the nose yeah, uh, and bit. nature. Um, and I honestly could see this going either way. I kind of like the idea of nature because we can kind of challenge the status quo here, but let's take on a challenge. Why not? Yes. All right. We've I done like incredible it. work here today. I, I have faith in us. All right. Uh, so what we have to ask what they love most about nature and the possibilities are it makes life possible. It provides laws and stability. It represents uncontested power. It is a source of awe and wonder, and it rewards dedication and care. Uh, I would uh, suggest makes life possible because nature, the oceans, the winds, the currents are what make the life of the pirates possible. Uh, their way of living would not be possible if the geography of the region did not exist the way it does and if the nature did not uh, change it in the way it does. I, I like that a lot. Um, I, I like that being kind of a core ethos of, of these pirates um, because that is very anti-colonial in its approach. Like uh, it really values the environment around them rather than seeing it as like a conquering force, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Mike, any ideas for the second one? Um, I was thinking source of all and wonder, because when I think about people who are like, they go to school, you know, to either be extremely success successful or, you know, like me, an animator, study something you really, really, really enjoy that's like wondrous and awesome to you. So like the idea of a faction of pirates who are like super fascinated with all the cool, weird things that nature does is really appealing to me. Yeah, and this is a school within the fleet. Uh, so to me, this really suggests that they teach something that is absolutely essential for the pirate fleet to exist. Uh, text, the maps. The text are the oh, maps. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Right? The map keepers. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Oh, gosh, and this Just went being, right over my head. <laughs> I, obviously, Wow. <laughs> this being nature driven too is really really fascinating um that is such a cool like philosophy to adopt as the map keepers for a group of pirates uh they are getting at some really neat stuff uh let's let's uh investigate this further through the questions and sure. the first one is how do the people who love nature live in a way that other factions could not Ooh, hmm. What if this faction, what if they never actually like visit any ports? What if they like fully live uh, on the sea? They never actually go to the port. They just, they, they come close to the shore because they need to create maps. They need to record uh, like any changes in the environment and stuff like that. But uh, they stick to the sea itself. They don't go on the shore. All right, this makes me think that they have taken some oath or bound themselves in some way to the sea, that they have promised themselves body and soul to the sea, which allows them to keep and make maps in a particular way. Um, I think what is most interesting to me is the perspective of map making that kind of exists almost universally. Uh, and this is definitely not true for geologic fields and like oceanography fields and whatnot, but 
Most maps are land focused. They are highlighting the land and features on the land. Mm-hmm. What if the maps for these pirates are mostly sea focused? The the reason that like pirate maps like kind of have a bunch of shitty dotted lines and an X marking it is because the people who draw up these pirate maps really care more about the currents and <laughs> weather patterns and whatnot. Yeah. And that is what is on their ocean maps. And in order yep. to teach that, like you have to like, oh, if you want to be a map keeper, you're never setting foot on land again. So think about how committed you are to this. I love this so much. It's like, it's like the opposite of Davy Jones. Like you, you're intentionally like, I want to be at sea all the time. I hate the land. Dirt, sand, it gets everywhere done (laughs) (laughs) uh the other thing is what secret do they keep that eludes other factions so there is something that the map keepers know that nobody else in the pirate fleet knows mike what is the thing that is hiding really really deep under the waves that nobody knows about (laughs) nice try Nice try. Mm. They're fighting Dang a cult it. called the Cult of the Deep One. Uh, nice try. <laughs> well, don't tell me what, but maybe they know yeah. something about the Deep One. They are the only ones who know something about the Deep One. Yeah, I think we can allude to this a little bit. Um, I'm wondering, it could be this This would be a major thing, um, but I'm wondering if there are currents on the coasts of this continent that are like constant, but they haven't they don't necessarily make sense in the way that currents normally do. And a part of me thinks that somewhere, I already know this is written down, but somewhere in the ocean, there is a hole that leaks from the plane of water where water is just pouring out. And maybe they know that that's where like these strange currents actually come from. They know where the heart of the currents are. What if... Okay, there, there are a lot of things that I'm tying here together. And some of this you might even want to edit out of this episode. And again, this is a pitch. Oh, it yeah, can be taken or left. <laughs> when you mentioned the deep one, when you mentioned that there is something at the bottom of the sea that is being kept there, it it's came to me that perhaps the ocean itself is the prison that was created in order to keep that thing in place. That... The world didn't used to have the seas in the way the world has the seas now. Mm-hmm. That they had to open a hole to the plane of water to create enough pressure and weight to keep whatever it is that lurks at the bottom of the seas where it is. And the water that has to flow in is constant. Uh, for whatever reason, you need to refresh it or, you know, we'll, we'll work that out in the details. We'll leave that to the engineers. Doesn't matter. But <laughs> that means the portal to the, the plane of water or portals to the plane of water have to move around, which does mean the currents on the seas are constantly changing. Ooh. And the only way you can ever navigate and map out, like you have to be in tune with that. I love this a lot. I think there there's a lot of elements that I can pull from it because, like I said, a lot of the times when I'm doing world building, I don't necessarily have a ton of things set in stone. I'm always trying to stay a little bit further ahead of my party, um, <laughs> just enough that the seams never you never see the seams. Um, I will say, Carolina, to answer your question a little bit, um, a portal being a prison is very on brand (laughs) um and i love the idea that like this fat that this faction they either track the portals or know where they are maybe they don't necessarily understand 
why they do what they do. It could be some kind of ancient, like, arcane machination or, like, the result of some kind of primordial being that existed before them, and now they're just observing the effects of whatever this thing wrought to make this kind of imprisonment. Yeah. Yeah. So they know they know that the ocean, at least, is constantly refilled from the plane of water in this moving portal or these moving portals, whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't know the other things, but like that is the secret that they know that the other factions don't. And that's why you need a map keeper because like I'm trying to imagine what it would be like trying to navigate the oceans of any world where this is true uh, and you don't understand how those portals move and currents change mm-hmm. because that means there are essentially no safe routes or passages in this yeah. world that can be relied on. You constantly need to be figuring out how weather patterns and whatnot might change because where the water comes from changes. I, I just realized the added complication of there being no stars. <laughs> if there are no stars by... in your setting this this role is even more essential <laughs> and essential in different ways yes i did not so i did not uh mention this before um the planet doesn't have any visible stars um i use that word they, intentionally there, there are rings there are around the planet big rings around the planet that i should have probably brought that up in the beginning but Okay, so you could probably still navigate through ring, but yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, because it's such a distinct feature on the horizon. Um, yeah, but that's just navigating geographically. That yeah. isn't going to tell you when you end up at the goddamn Bermuda Triangle. True. <laughs> <laughs> to avoid like all the tropical storms that pop up and whatnot. So th- my question to you then is these map keepers, this school, is this part of the pirate fleet or is it someone that the pirate fleet works with? Do you just need to get a map keeper to be aboard your ship to be a ship at all? And therefore, even pirates need to work with this school. I do like the idea of them being a separate entity because, I mean, a little peek behind the screen, we have exposed a problem that I didn't really foresee, um, <laughs> which is... Um, this kind of idea of exactly, I've never really nailed down exactly how they navigate across the seas. We've kind of been hand wavy for a little bit of it. And this kind of school of map keepers that knows how to track what the ocean is going to do next um, seems very cool, but it also seems like it's essential to how operating on the sea will function. Um, So I kind of like the idea of it being an independent thing that the pirate faction works with. Like you can hire on a map keeper or you can get someone taught by the map keepers and then they understand how it works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's great because I like, you know, whatever legitimate naval forces of the world also depending mm-hmm. on this, like world governance, uh, friggin commercial enterprises and whatnot. Everybody needs to deal with the map keepers. And um, I love it. And there are map keepers being taught at the school. And like one of them, uh, they get their assignments and one of them says, well, I'm going to the merchant fleet. I'm going to uh, the Navy of the kingdom of such and such. And I am joining the goddamn pirates. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. I'm going to the leaky bint. I don't know what that could possibly mean. <laughs> they arrive at one of the Shell Corporation <laughs> buildings. They're like, what is this? 
<laughs> Do you want to buy some lace? Oh, I know you. I, I know where you have to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we, we are now just down to the people who love knowledge, which means we need yes. two more dice rolls. Two final dice rolls. Dun, dun, I got a one. And I got a two. Both low rolls. Cool. We haven't rolled those yet, I don't think. Okay, 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 okay. Uh-oh. Folks, we have a choice here. Ooh. So the one could, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow the choice. Uh, so the structures uh, that are possible are a state, um, basically like a government mm-hmm. um, or some sort of political framework, uh, or another family. Um, we have, we've already seen families, uh, and for the treasures that they protect, it is either a structure a building, monument, or even city, something built by people, or a place, a stretch of land, um, perhaps even stretch of ocean, some kind of natural formation. Come on, we need a pirate island. There has to be a we, pirate uh, island. We, so the, <laughs> this faction, Drogma's Wing, kind of encompasses a handful of very small islands among a greater island chain of nations, and I feel like a faction that is landbound on those islands does make sense uh i mean well here's the thing you still have the beautiful question of do you want that to be a structure or a place because it could be an island or it could be a massive flotilla this could be a city that is built on the water (laughs) um I, i i could see either one being just delightful yeah both are very very fun um carolina what do you think i like both but for this one i think that perhaps the island would make more sense given what we what we already know about the world and i mean our our dinosaur pirate captain has to come from somewhere right that's we did talk we did joke about a island of dinosaur loving pirates i feel like that's where they live (laughs) so then yeah this is a state um uh this is like a a city-state yeah i'll read the thing this culture is formed around a government city-states often exist to provide protection structure and organization for citizens living within them bonds between members are defined by political frameworks uh, and civic structures and even culture um and yeah it's a place this is a natural formation um uh let's see yeah a stretch of land natural formation or established path created by forces beyond people um so now we come to the love of knowledge and choosing what uh this faction loves most about knowledge before we define other things and the options are it preserves the past it builds the future it satisfies curiosity it makes people useful and it eases suffering uh, what if we go with first first one with makes people useful? What if this is the shipyard of the pirate fleet? What if this is where we build our ships? This is where the trees grow that we cut down to build the ships, and this is where we maintain them. Yeah, I do that. like that. We we're in need of some kind of um, infrastructure here with the rest of the factions. That makes a lot of sense and like hey that also harkens back to the early buccaneer days uh where if you were a buccaneer you were probably probably either out doing pirate stuff or out getting logwood from somewhere so that ships and other things could be built all over the world 
Um, so the idea that the pirates maintain an island uh, to service and build ships is super cool. And they use dinosaurs to do the heavy lifting. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like Flintstone cool. style. There <laughs> yes. we go. Yes, it's absolutely. <laughs> um, I kind of like the idea of um, for the other thing they cherish because builds it builds the future because they are literally building the future. I kind of like that the idea of that being on the nose. Yeah, I I like it a lot. So this is a town or city or something that is at least affiliated in some way with this pirate fleet, uh, if not outright controlled by like the conclave of pirates uh, that make up this uh, fleet that, that you have. Like they service pirate ships. I guess that's, that's a decision that I'd like to be made. Is this fully controlled by the pirate fleet or is it just a place that works with the pirate fleet? Um, I think I would like it to be like totally controlled by just because we have a couple other factions here that aren't necessarily stalwartly like attached to it. Um, so I think having them having a place where they can, you know, build up their ships and, you know, it's like a safe haven. And it also makes sense too. I feel like it, it might've come to being after the corporation finally got its heels in um yeah and they started making money and they're like wow now we actually have a place a base of operations that nobody knows about i like that a lot and and not only that a base of operations that like is large enough to have a forest where you can get good logwood like Mm -hmm. that's kind of a miraculous place um so the question now comes to how does this faction keep records of their knowledge and where is it stored? Um, because the, the, the treasure, the treasure here that they're protecting is the place. Um, but this is the faction that loves knowledge. And I guess I can read the little, uh, write up for that. This faction is dedicated to understanding some aspect of their world. This can manifest uh, in the general study of all things, the specialization in a specific field of study like medicine or engineering or magic. Uh, this culture values discovery, record, and retention of knowledge. Are these shipwrights? Is this like we are building better and more perfect ships? Um, or are they studying something grander? Like, is there a ambition that lies at the heart of this pirate fleet that finally now having this safe haven, this island, is empowering them to chase after. Hmm. What do you think, Carolina? Well, I think that uh, there definitely would be a tradition of like apprenticeship and uh, learning uh, the techniques and to use the tools of the of the craft of building the ships. Uh, so, so there would also be this element of, of teaching, but a grander plan that they might have something that that pushes them forward. Yeah, does this pirate fleet? exist to survive and perpetuate you know which which would be a very much along company lines of like hey we're going to take risks and take in resources to try and protect and enrich everybody who's involved with us or is there an idealistic core like we are going to 
topple the world government. We are going to build a world outside of the nation states that uh, swore us criminals or something like that. Like, I think just based on some of the themes that we have established in our more recent recordings, having kind of the larger goal of wiping out and removing control of the, like I said, there's kind of another faction that is nestled itself into a bunch of the cities along the the coast. I've kind of hinted at there's a lot of conflict between this pirate faction and the, the other factions called the Emporo. They go back and forth and there's a lot of tension there. And I think okay, okay. finding ways to like hedge out the other, the other group feels much more on brand. I think we're circling in on it because if this island is an evolution of we've created our, our accountants and suddenly mm-hmm. changed our business model in a way that is more future thinking and whatnot, I have to imagine that originally whatever uh, brotherhood of pirates or whatnot formed was kind of maybe about survival. It's like, hey, we got to band together yeah. because the Imperial are after us. But it it goes on and decades pass and suddenly we're more future thinking. If there is a philosophy that like, I, I almost like the idea of this being a Zen in the art of shipbuilding um, thing where like their philosophy of like life and whatnot is kind of whatever got defined originally in the reason that they were uh, counteracting the Impero and now is something that is being cultivated on this island that involves itself with the piracy and allows the piracy to perpetuate, but the piracy is also the thing that allows the dream that lives here to like flourish in a way that is cool and fascinating. I like it. Mike, you would, you would know better what you have uh, kind of planned about the Emporo. Yeah, yeah. What do they what do they represent? <laughs> um I've kind of nailed them into the the general like drawbacks and terrible themes of powers that are more colonial. They mm-hmm. they want resources. So the way they generally function is they make their presence known in a city and slowly hedge their way in until they are dependent on enough that if they leave it would be very noticeable. And then they right. just slowly do that until they have full control of the place. Um, so if we're talking about like the dream of this kind of place. Um, what if this is like a true anarchy? I, I was like, having that thought too. Like they did the, the yeah. stereotypical pirates do whatever you want without oversight, which kind of the, the thought of <laughs> a bunch of um, shipwrights who are getting extra zany with their magic choices could be pretty volatile in an amusing way. <laughs> Yeah, the idea that like this place is a socialist anarcho commune that is empowered by like these pirates to exist in in this way and like they channel and reflect that philosophy in how they build their ships, which allows you the benefit of getting some really bizarre ships uh, that that will be fun and visually interesting mm-hmm. to play with in the game itself. Uh, but like also puts like kind of a strange and beautiful dream uh, at the core of this that evolved slowly because originally this group probably banded together to survive. Yeah. And like so many other successful things, once their survival needs were taken care of, they're allowed to ask the question of how shall we live? And 
one thing that they knew going in is how they didn't want to live and what they wanted to oppose. Yeah. If if they're opposing Emporo so strongly and Emporo is like uh, this uh, uh, colonial force that uh, grabs the resources they want and doesn't care about what happens next, uh, then it, it would also make sense uh, to uh, connect this with developing their way of living in a way that's sustainable mm-hmm. that basically they they want to get rid of this destructive element then basically that basically you find something worth uh, uh, something uh, valuable something important and you just grab it you take it you leave the vest- devastation behind they want to stop and do they want to be against it and this works very well for this faction because they are on a not a very large island they are on an island which needs to be maintained in a way that supports yeah. uh, future building. I mean, that even if you have a bunch of druids with you, that this tree is not going to grow overnight to the size where it can be the mast of a giant ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had to learn to coexist with their environment in a way that doesn't destroy it, but maintains it for the future and allows them to build the future on the ground that they have without expansion and colonialism. Um, this is so cool and fascinating. And like, it brings us back to that question of how does this uh, faction keep records of their knowledge and where is it stored? Because that, like, if it is like this kind of sustainable druidic tradition, like that suggests all kinds of different things about blueprints and and whatnot or how people are passing on knowledge. One thing that we do know about this fleet, thankfully, because we've defined so much else about it, is at the core of it, like that pirate code, Mm -hmm. so much of it is based on legends and stories and, and, you know, strange approach to democracy and whatnot. So when they do something like come up with when they learn a technique of of building a ship or when they come up with a design for a ship how is that preserved in a way that reflects that sort of overall strange anarchic uh uh philosophy and the answer could be hey it's all oral tradition and they don't really keep records uh which is also very fascinating yeah, it makes me thinking of the kind of exact isle. So we were talking about this. Uh, originally, I had thought of this um, island in, this, in the setting we have. Um, but putting them here, did it make sense at first? And now it kind of does. And the reason is this: there's a particular island that is kind of known by all of the coastal cities and a lot of sailors is you don't land here. It's a sanctuary that exists through belief and worship of a god called Sangul that re- that represents um, the fury of nature. And in the setting, this religion, this belief, formed because there's a molten moon that makes its way a little too close to the planet every couple of years. And when it does, it creates a hurricane beneath it and just drags it across the continent until the storms fizzle out on the, the deeper mountain ranges. And... From it, they kind of, everyone kind of unanimously agreed after the the hurricanes beat them up so much that there was a slice of life that needed to be only dedicated to this, you know, god of neglected nature, which would be this island. Um, It's basically a giant nature preserve. And originally, I didn't think that, you know, pirate shipwrights building things out in that island would make sense. But if they're doing it in a way that is extremely sustainable, um, in such a way that is like the most respectful 
to the environment and the way of living as you can be. I'm thinking it could, they could be housed there. And then maybe the way that they store the knowledge is somehow harmonious with, you know, the nature that they're, they're working alongside and utilizing to make these ships. That is, that is a very cool discovery. Like to be the secret heart of this pirate fleet is like, yeah, 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 yeah. they do pirate stuff. <laughs> but also that pirate stuff has like, allowed them to live in a way that nobody else in the world can live because yeah. they've come to understand something that really you can only understand if you are trying to avoid doing terrible things that like uh colonialists and capitalists force you to do mm -hmm. um i i think that's super cool uh the other question then comes to does this faction share their knowledge and how do they decide who is worthy? So we know that the, you know, ships of the pirate fleet show up for repairs or there are new boat launches and whatnot that come mm -hmm. from this place. But like, do all the captains in the fleet kind of understand that this is happening? Or are you just kind of a pirate that's like, I'm doing pirate stuff and I'm aware that there is a larger organization, but I don't really have eyes on it. I think this kind of knowledge and secret makes sense for the people of this faction to be aware of. And then like the other captains that rely on their services are a little out of the know. Um, just so there's a little bit of like mystery and disconnect between each faction. What do you think, Carolina? I've been talking yeah, for a yeah, while. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I think that it would make sense to um, preserve this knowledge within this faction and uh, limit who it is shared with. Um, well, but on the other hand, if the, the, the kind of like making sure that this is all done sustainably, that they are not damaging their environment, well... In this case, if somebody proved to them that they are really interested in learning about this and maybe applying the same philosophy elsewhere, uh, they might be willing to share this uh, this knowledge they have. Uh, because if they don't, if they keep it to themselves and nobody else learns how to live this way, uh, then uh, the rest of the world will still be grabbing the resources and leaving devastation uh, after they've taken what they want. Uh, so, so perhaps if you prove to them that you are worthy of this knowledge, they will share it with you. But you really have to prove to them that you understand what you're doing and that you will not misuse it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's that like... They, they work with these pirates. The pirates might have a, a rough idea. And maybe there are even some captains that like retire to this island or, you know, people aboard ships who like go to live there after, you know, their sailing days are done. Uh, or maybe when they are finally ready to live there in the first place. Like, especially because anarchy is kind of at the heart of this. I feel like there might be a transformation that can possibly take place. Like if you are a pirate out sailing on the seas, there is a chance that you will just be able to understand the things that you need to understand to live on this Island. Mm -hmm. um, and when that happens, like the Island calls to you, you just go. So speaking of anarchy and this kind of like the idea of like, you know, you know it when you know it. Um, what if in order to, maybe it's something magical in such a way that like if you have a brush with nature that's so extreme 
and you survive. It like yeah. leaves you yeah. with something that you didn't have before that draws your attention to that place. Marked by Sangul in some way. Yeah, yeah. Which actually, now that I'm thinking about it, to swing it back around in the, the show, one of our one of our little wizards who's obsessed with learning everything he can about magic. He saw someone do magic of this kind of nature god that he didn't understand. He'd never seen it before. And he's like, how do I learn that? And the person was like, oh yeah, you basically have to venture out into the hurricane when the moon comes. <laughs> so like two years from now, you might be able to learn maybe if the god likes you, <laughs> um, which kind of like brings it back around to this kind of like chaotic challenge of nature. And if you survive, you know, you're now aware that this place exists and it's a place that could be a haven for you. I love that we uh, did the faction that loves nature and made it mostly about knowledge. And now we did <laughs> faction that loves knowledge and made it mostly about nature. Mwah. It's real. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we, we accepted that challenge and I think we flourished. I yeah. think, yes. I think it, it turned out perfectly there are a lot of details still to sort out there are names to be doled out for so many of these different things mm -hmm. but that i believe i will not be needed for um now I, I will point out to listeners that there is more to the five factions exercise uh there are questions that allow you to investigate the relationships between different factions and how they think of each other and how they behave around one another we're not going to do that today uh, because we've already laid down some beautiful foundational groundwork. But if you would like to investigate that in your own game, you can head out and pick up a copy of the Ultimate RPG Game Master's World Building Guide. Uh, it is available anywhere books are sold. Uh, that's all major online retailers, all major brick and mortar retailers, and of course, your friendly local game store and favorite indie brick and mortar bookstore. Uh, if you're going to a game store or a bookstore, I recommend calling ahead to see if it's in stock. Uh, sometimes uh, indies need to, you know, uh, do special orders in advance, but it is always worth it to work with them. Um, it's, uh, again, like you should be able to find this really pretty much anywhere it is published by simon and schuster so that's, it's out that's there. where i found it <laughs> i found it um, online yeah uh you can head to bit.ly slash ultimate world building uh to find a list of different retailers to pick it up um and you know if you want to hear more pirate stories uh because like hey gilded lily's great and uh i could definitely see uh somebody listening gilded lily also enjoying campaign skyjacks if you like your piracy in the air instead of the sea uh skyjacks is an anti-colonial anti-capitalist uh folktale punk uh show about sky pirates uh so that is one of the reasons that I very much loved uh, getting to do pirate lore here is I got to do some pirate lore that's very outside the pirate lore that I am immersed in uh, pretty much every every week uh, as I record the Skyjacks podcast. Um, but yeah, if you like Gilded Lily, I am certain you'll also like Campaign Skyjacks and that you can find wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Campaign Skyjacks or James D'Amato and it should pull, pull right up. I can personally vouch for Skyjacks. It is wonderful. It's, it's brought a whole new vibe to piracy. I haven't gotten very far. Uh, I am still at the very beginning of the of the campaign, but I really enjoyed what I listened to. So, uh, yes, uh, if you enjoy playing Gilded Lily, you will also enjoy Skyjacks. <laughs> I can confirm. <laughs>
Um, oh, well, thank you. We're coming up on the end here. Apparently, Google Meet says again. Almost, we're almost out of time again, which is weird because I said it for a wild amount of time. Yes, it's about to kick us out again. But that's okay. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we got some... Uh, I can't wait to dig into this and get all this juicy, yes. juicy content in front of my players. They're going to lap it up. It was absolutely my pleasure. Yeah. So again, as James said, if you liked any of this world building content or pirates or anything down that vein, check out his shows. Um, they're wonderful. And our show is now the more better for it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much also for, inc for including me. That was super fun. Uh, I, I really enjoy world building. I uh, GM three campaigns myself. Uh, and uh, yeah, none of them, none of them streamed or, or recorded. Uh, but world building is one of my favorite things ever. So uh, doing this with uh, your fine company and such wonderful tools that you presented to us was very, very fun. Well, your contributions were spectacular. So I, I was very, very happy to be working with you. Hey there folks i know this one was a long one and i really hope you enjoyed it because it was a very special episode for us playing five factions with james and carolina was phenomenal and it was a pleasure to work with both of them to leave a very unique mark on the world of esperon now we get to spend some time building dozens and dozens of fake businesses for drogma's wing i'm thinking a donut shop and we'll get to that later. If you too liked our session of Five Factions, check out James's book, linked in our episode description. Alrighty, this concludes our bonus world-building content. We'll see you next Monday. We're picking up with Alea, Hele, and Tedward right where they left off on their journey to find Thurbash. And maybe fight some giant wooden spiders? Who knows? Stay safe, and I'll see you soon.